Two Guys, One Shaker Cup podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside Two Guys, One Shaker Cup podcast. Today, we have just a riveting topic, Josh. Actually, it is. It actually is very interesting because it's not necessarily in the realm of sports nutrition or fitness, but we will kind of bring it back to the industries in which we swim in. But a lot of I get asked a lot and, and from friends, family, people I've never even met before, maybe through LinkedIn, and I'm sure you do too, like is... Is it worth investing extra money, if you're, especially if your business of employment is not going to pay for it? Is it worth getting a, a higher education post, like basically a graduate degree? You and I both have MBAs. We're not here to pull our dicks out and show people how big they are. We're just, this is the facts of the, the business, right? We have MBAs. Uh, mine costed over six figures. I had to pay for it myself. Um, I can't remember if you paid for yours all yourself or if you had some, some, some company funding. But still, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to do. So the, that begs the question, like, have you seen the return on investment? Is it worth investing the time and the money into basically getting three initials after your name uh, within corporate America, within sports nutrition? So that's really what we want to dive into today. More of an educational piece for people who are actually maybe thinking about doing this. Um, and now Josh and I have MBAs, right? Masters of Business Administration. This is a business degree. It's not like a doctorate of nursing or something along those lines. Like we're going to speak in the realm of MBA because that's what we know. We can't speak to PhDs and, and stuff like that because they have maybe a different aspect of way of looking at their return on investment. I probably have shared the story on a, on a previous um, podcast episode, but I originally was going to go to law school. So that was kind mm -hmm. of the, my initial kind of first um, thought towards graduate school. Uh, but I just kind of took a detour towards getting my MBA and just kind of went with that. And you asked if I did, I did pay for my own. I went right after uh, my undergrad. So I didn't go out in the corporate world and then kind of come back. I went kind of right in. I also, it was because I got my accounting degree in 2007. So this was like right around the time when, when things were just going collapsing. It wasn't really right. going really well for especially anybody with a, a degree in anything that had to do with accounting or finance or, or anything of that nature. So I decided, hey, let's let's kind of sit and kind of go to school for two more years. And so I didn't really have to at least personally think about like time wasted because I was still in school mode. I was just continuing with it. I didn't really get out of it. I was still really enjoying school. I went to the same university that I got my undergrad in because I really loved um, the university. I thought it was one of those things where uh, it taught me a ton. It also was a state school, the you know second biggest in mm -hmm. terms of like attendance in the state of Ohio. So I got a really good experience, but it was a, a cheap experience as well because I lived in Ohio. It was in Ohio. I, I didn't have to worry about, you know, all the other expenses that come involved with that. And because I was involved in the community already of, of Kent State and, and had internships and had an undergrad degree also in the School of Business, I was able to you know, get some internships and get some things that ultimately almost paid for the majority of my MBA when I got out of it. I worked throughout the time. I, I went and took I, I kind of did like an executive MBA type mm -hmm. of a track, but I was a traditional student. So I worked during the day at internships and then I took primarily night classes just yeah. because it worked better for my schedule. I was able to pay for it. I didn't want to go out of college and have a ton of debt under my name. So my personal kind of economics around the decision of my MBA is probably going to be much different than yours, mm -hmm. but um, I, I think that regardless, it's 
something that I personally thought of before I kept going. I don't know. Did you think about those things? Because there's this big discussion, and this is probably one of the things I, I get most heated about. Most of the time on these podcast episodes, we get to hear about what Ryan gets uh, heated about, but this is something that I get heated about. And this is around like all these people that took out all this debt in college and didn't think they had to pay it back. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you like? What the uh, like? The concept of a loan is you have to pay it back. I don't understand. Like, yeah. just the fundamental vehicle in which you took money out is that you have to repay it with interest. Mm -hmm. You don't just get to take that money and just you know it's zero interest and then eventually you give it back to them and, and you just give them the state. Like that person took on risk to give you that money. You might default on it, and you have to pay them back with interest. So. I personally, I thought of that, and that's also because I think the accounting brain and, and all that, you sure. know, I, get, I got that beat into me in, in my undergrad. So when I decided to sign that letter of intent or whatever to go get my MBA, I thought about the costs. I thought about the total cost, what it was going to you know, ultimately cost me at the end of the day, and how do I limit that when I finally hit the ground running when I get my first job. So... I probably put a lot more thought into it. I wish a lot more people probably yeah. would do that as well. I don't, did you think about any of those things or was it one of those things where you're just like, hey, I know I need to get a kind of a continuing education. I need to get a good graduate degree. I don't necessarily care what it's going to cost me in the in the short term because right. I'm going to ultimately make it up on the back end. Both, exactly that point. So for, our paths are completely different. So Josh, what Josh was just talking about, some people will say Josh's route is a, is a no-no. And why I'll say that is because it, what what I've been told, and this is it's it's just personal preference. But some people will say, go get your undergrad, go work for a couple years, then go back to get your MBA after you get some real world experience. What Josh said is he basically went from his undergrad to his MBA. There's nothing wrong with that, but you're gonna hear people tell you to not do that. I'm sure you've probably heard that before too. Is yeah. they they want you to get real world experience because some of that real world experience you're gonna get, you can actually apply that into the classroom, and some of the things start to make a little bit more sense versus it just being textbook related. Because if you're strictly textbook, sometimes you don't necessarily have that real world experience. Now, in your case, a little bit different, you had internships during the day. So technically, you were getting real-world experience while going to school. You know, pseudo part-time program, I'll be the full-time student. So you know, my, my thing to those, like, if you're going to go from undergrad to your MBA or the way, do what Josh did and get internships. You have to work. Try to get some of that real-life experience because that's going to make your $100,000 education mean so much more. Um, and number two, Josh, and I want to get your thoughts on this, and then I'll dive more into my story, but – Doing your graduate degree at the same school as your undergraduate degree, there are the people in this in education saying you should not do that either. You should pick different schools because the one school system has such a you know a way of teaching. Like I went to a, a university in Wisconsin, there's a liberal arts school. My MBA I went to the University of Minnesota here based on proximity and close, and it ended up being a really good program. But I'm, have you heard that right? That you're not supposed to, you should not do the same school as your undergrad. They want you to go and do something somewhere else. Yeah, I've definitely heard that. I think that for me particularly, I was I didn't really have much choice because of just the sequence of events. Like I said, I, I went and took the law school exams and everything, and I was kind of going through that process. And then by the time I realized I didn't want to do that, I kind of had like a week to take my GMAT, which is the entrance exam, mm -hmm. if people were not all that aware. And then I had to apply. So it was one of those things where I kind of walked into the dean's office already having all of this history at the university and saying, hey, I have you know, a 3.8 whatever GPA in my accounting, one of the most kind of difficult areas of business. Like I could handle this. You guys don't need to go through this whole process of like trying to get me, um, you know, going through, uh, you know, questionnaires or all these different things. I could kind of just get going. So it was for me, 
it just kind of worked out in that mm -hmm. way. Now, if I transport myself back to that time and I would have had the time to, to actually go and apply to different business schools, I think I've also mentioned this on one of the podcast episodes that I would have definitely probably went more towards trying to go to like a Stanford or a um, Harvard or, or something like trying to get into a top tier school, at least giving it a shot mm -hmm. and seeing if I could be in that highly competitive environment and get something completely different out of the experience. So, right. I, you know, it, I totally have heard it. I think just my particular situation, I didn't have much other choice. Yeah. I mean, you've done well for yourself. So it's not, again, take everything that people tell you with a grain of salt, even what we're going to tell you on this podcast. But for me, I knew I've always wanted to get, I wanted to get a PhD. I wanted to be a college professor. So I knew from the get go, I was going to get an advanced degree. I also knew I didn't want to go back to my hometown, like the vast majority of people that I grew up with, because basically you get trapped in that town. You're not going to get out. So I knew I was going to spend whatever it took, whatever it took to get out and to, to move on to do it. Now, did I know that the MBA was going to get me a job? No, I didn't. I took a shot. Once upon a time, having an MBA meant something, at least a lot. It meant quite a bit more than it does now. Um, and that's not to discredit MBAs at all. It's not to discredit what Josh and I have because it's, it's presented us opportunities in our life that I don't think either of us would have had a chance to seize had we not had the MBA, at least in my case particularly. So um, I knew I was going to take on debt, but I also knew I had to pay it back. Bernie Sanders is not the president, people. You have to pay back these loans. They're not, there's no free college education. So fast forward now as, as we both have MBAs and we look back on you know, everything that we've accomplished, I will f fully admit the first job I took post-MBA was not a job that required an MBA. I was making a salary of of somebody who had a an undergrad degree. So I was not being compensated for, you know, they'll, a lot of times what they'll do in these classrooms is they'll, during the, you know, I, I did a part-time program. So I worked full-time while going to school at night. So I did four years. I also had some um, real-life experience before going back at my MBA, which was great. But they'll, on the screen, on one of these PowerPoints that they'll show you, they'll be like, here's your earning potential after you get your MBA. And I'd see this big-ass number. Like, for an MBA, I think it was like 95, maybe 100K, something like that. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of money. Because my first job out of college at, at Eau Claire was $30,000 a year. And that was, like, good money back then and back in 2000 and. Shit, was that 2009? 30K a year was good money. Um, and then you see these numbers like 90,000. You're like, wow, I didn't make nearly 90,000 after I got my MBA because I settled a, for in this industry of sports nutrition where they just did not pay that kind of money at that point. But I wanted to be in this industry so bad that I decided to take basically – I actually took less money for the company I went to than I was making while I was getting my MBA. I was making more money with the company I was with while getting my MBA than I got post MBA. So that tells you how much I utilized my MBA straight out of the MBA program. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't do shit for me then. It did change, but then it did not. Yours, I think, is a different story. You know, unfortunately, I, I, I don't know if I've shared this story. I know I probably have on my on my YouTube channel, but when I got out of my graduate my MBA program. I moved from Ohio to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. I, on a whim kind of a thing. Also where I grew up is one of the poorest uh, metropolitan areas in the United States. It's just not necessarily a place that, you know, a very kind of like uh, excitable young person uh, wants to be that has an MBA. You know, you're, you're not going to get your return um, that you would initially probably hope to get mm -hmm. in the jobs that you hope there's just there's just not that availability of professional type of jobs um, in the same amount of 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 a quantity. But mm -hmm. I moved to Vegas because I had a buddy that um, was living out there. I had a bunch of buddies actually that was living out there, and he said, "Hey, you can push up on the couch. You can you can be out there, and you can just try to find a job." So I didn't go out there even having a job. So I applied and applied, and this is 2009 as well. So mm -hmm. you got to transport yourself back to 2009 and remember, it wasn't very good. And 
I unfortunately moved to Vegas, which was hit by one of the worst housing kind of areas as well. So a lot of the jobs, a lot of everything was kind of being very slow played. I think the MBA was useful because it got me in the door. Right. I think that was most important. And I think that that hasn't changed. Having the MBA gets you in the door in the opportunity. Now you have to end up you know, closing the door and, and actually making it happen for yourself, but at least it gets you in the door. But I had interviews all over the place, but the position and the job that I took had nothing to do with my MBA because I took a job that I needed to make money because I was living on a buddy's couch mm -hmm. in Vegas and I needed to get off on my own and, and it was one of those survival type of a situation. Now, in hindsight, the year-ish plus that I spent at that uh, position, I, I learned a ton and that was really applicable for later in my life. But at the time, it was something that I wasn't all that you know, excited to do. It was more of I had to pay bills, which right. – this goes back to one of my hot buttons is, is that, uh, you know, I took that job not because I wanted to feel fulfilled in my life and I wanted to do all these things. It was because I had debt and I had I was sleeping on a couch and I needed to make money. So my first year is I didn't really go out. I didn't spend money on anything. I didn't do anything. I tried to pay back that loan as quick as possible because I wanted to make sure that when I finally got to the point where I could free myself and make the decisions that I wanted to do and mm -hmm. fulfill my life through what I do now – I was able to do that without having a bunch of chains on me that I wouldn't be able to spread my wings and go with it. So right. I, I took a, a lot probably of a different path here um, than a lot of other people. But I guess we talked about this a little bit. You talked about it a little bit. Like it doesn't mean – the MBA doesn't mean as much. Right. And I, this was kind of the topic or at least why this uh, was brought up initially. Me and Brian were kind of talking about this and why we decided on the subject is because – just college in general has been eroded. Like the, the brand of college has been eroded. Like a lot of companies now are not needing you to have a degree in a lot of senses. A lot of very big public companies, tech companies, things like that, they're not really expecting you to have those things. There's that side of it where a lot of people are expecting you to probably get education in other facets mm -hmm. of your life, not necessarily from school. Um, but it also comes down to education system being broken, mm -hmm. not necessarily like people don't have that much confidence in the education system as a whole. And to take this even one step further than that is that a lot of the colleges are struggling right now. There's colleges that are closing, especially ones that ha don't have a lot of like uh, general funds and a lot of things from donors and things of that nature. There's a lot of retraction in college. So what they're ending up doing is now they're eroding their brand name by doing online programs, doing all these different things. So all of a sudden, it becomes more available to people. They can make more money, even if you're not in that area, which is great for the college, but for the actual value of that degree, that brand name that was on your degree changes because all of a sudden now, you and I that had to go to the physical university, had to go take physical classes, had to do all those types of things, we had to give up and sacrifice a lot more out of our lives to do that. Now, all of a sudden, 10 years later, things are different, and now people are getting graduate degrees on, in their part-time and you know, on the weekends and, and things of that nature, and it's just different. For some reason, everything's kind of broken down in the system, and it doesn't mean as much as it used to.
Right. Just because you have an MBA or a master's degree does not mean you're smart either. Let's keep that in mind. Being book smart, completely different than being street smart. You hear that quite a bit too. I know plenty of people with master's degrees that are dumber than a box of fucking rocks. I mean, they're just stupid. I don't care if they're listening. You are stupid. But to Josh's point, like there are gatekeepers in, in the world, in, in corporate America or in jobs. The big gatekeeper is, is a digital spider, a digital like crawler that will crawl your resume or crawl your LinkedIn profile. And if you happen to have an MBA on there, you now are a candidate for whatever job openings there may be. Or like you know, it, it gets your foot in the door. Once your foot's in the door, to Josh's point, it's on you to seal that interview. It's on you to slam that door shut and get that job. But So that's the thing. Like that, that six-figure six piece of paper, it's helped me get my foot in the door for places. So I've gotten jobs where I was able to demand a little bit more money after that first one in the sports nutrition field because I had that. Now, they gave it to me or they uh, agree with me on terms of compensation because I was able – because I had an MBA and they, they thought like – Here's what an MBA does. I think it shows employers you have potential for more. Like you, you have what they call learning agility, which means you have like this vacancy in your brain to absorb more information and to excel in things. Because listen, an MBA is not necessarily hard, but there's a lot that goes into it. There's a commitment to Josh's point. There's you still, especially if you take some time away from school and you go back to it, it's hard to get recalibrated into that type of environment. It's not the super, and you know, your case, you took the GMAT right away. I took the GMAT four years after college. That motherfucker was more difficult than it needed to be because I had not used a TI-83 calculator in years, you know, and like you weren't even able to use one on the GMAT. But that's the biggest thing. I think the learning agility that employers see like, okay, this guy has an MBA. He may not have all the skills we need today, but he has the he has the capacity and the capabilities to be able to absorb the information to be who we want him to be. So he's he has he or she has potential. Um, now, if you look at sports nutrition, you look at fitness. Do you need an MBA in this field? And the answer is no. I mean, you look at some of these supplement company owners. I, I bet there's probably a handful of these owners out there that don't even have a high school degree. You know, I mean, so you don't necessarily need to have a collegiate degree or a high school degree as long as you can understand. You know, basically some of the formula stuff is not that important, but you can understand some digital marketing things like you can excel and become extremely rich. You and I have had this conversation off camera before. We can have it on camera too. The amount of CEOs that I've met in this industry that are unprofessional and childish is unbelievable. And it's part of that. And we've talked about this because maybe they lack structure in terms of an education structure. So if anything, an education can give them basically a way to behave that they just lack, but they just happen to do very good. They may they maybe hired the right people. They got good at digital marketing. They still might act like a child, but they have a lot more money in their wallets than you and I, Josh, and you and I spent a lot more money on education than they did. So do you need an MBA in this field? Absolutely, you do not. It could be a detriment in some cases. I know for me, there at least initially when I was in the industry, I would try to use like logic-based arguments and, and try to really kind of construct an argument around um, you know, what I believed was the right path to success and, and plan of action and all these types of things. What it ended up happening in, in the industry, a lot of times it's, it's based around emotions, raw emotions, and emotions and logic tend not to match up very well. So you end up getting extremely frustrated, especially if you're trying to you know, elevate uh, a particular owner's um, you know, thought patterns or a brand's maybe standard operating procedures or anything like that. Like I remember a few times going in and saying, hey, you know, do you guys have this kind of structured in a way that makes sense that could be replicated? Is there expectations for your employees? Like they had absolutely no idea what I was talking about in any of those types of situations. And what that ended up doing was um, it kind of hurt in a way because you 
initially you think, hey, we need to do those things. We need to do those. Th but there's a point where a lot of the what you should do and what you actually have to do to be successful are much different. Mm -hmm. And at least at the beginning of my kind of career, I was too stern on, you know, the right way to do things over, you know, what is actually going to be the best situation for that particular situation, that particular set of like variables within the company. So to me, I think it, in a way it also kind of be is detrimental because it, we think a certain way and for us to try to put that on somebody else, it's not going to be useful for what we want to try to accomplish. So we end up having to put ourselves backwards a little bit, um, maybe dumb ourselves down in a, in a certain sense. Um, I had a really good conversation with somebody uh, through private message in the last couple of weeks and, and they said, hey, you know, your content that you put out on your channel, like 90% of it goes over the industry's head. I, I know that because I've talked to people and I said, it's depressing because that is even my like tame version yeah. of what I really would want to say on camera, but um, I tend not to get too far in the weeds on certain things. So it's, um, I mean, it's one of those things where if I was going back, maybe it, um, yeah, I don't know, it, it maybe it kind of detrimental to, to my situation in a, in a sense. And I'm doing obviously something much differently than you are doing. Mm. Um, so again, we're going back to like personal you know, things, right. variables that might not apply in, in the situation of the people watching. I think for your, like your YouTube channel, sure. But I mean, for your business, your consulting business, I don't think it's a detriment to you at all. I think actually you having that, and, and you can correct me, maybe, maybe you think it is, but if I was a brand and I'm seeking advice from someone who knows how to run a business and, and the case studies and the businesses and brands that you worked with while, while at Kent State, I mean, those are some reputable businesses and brands in a different industry. And you can learn so much from different industries in which we are in such this little this this funnel this little tunnel in this industry that we, sometimes we fail to look outside the industry and we just look at what our neighbors are doing and that's just a trap. So bringing in you, somebody with an MBA, somebody with um, you know a different way of thinking is a breath of fresh air. And I always find myself asking like, what if this industry had uh, you know, all the owners had an MBA or all the owners had like a, a, a doctorate in business? Like, how different would this space be? Because if you look at say. Um, like a General Mills, where I was at, you could not be in the position that I was in terms of running a brand unless you had an MBA. So you, if you did not have one, the company would pay to send you back to school just so you'd get one. So because they wanted somebody with that type of capability to be in that position, because there are some big time decisions that need to be made. That the skill set just comes along with the education. Um, obviously, you still have to close the door and all that stuff too. But so you look at some of these Fortune 500 companies and CEOs of these companies, chances are majority of those CEOs, I'm not saying all of them, probably have some sort of graduate degree of some sort from a Harvard, a Yale, Stanford, could be a Wisconsin, could be a Minnesota. I mean, could be a Kent State too. I'm sure you know plenty of, of MBAs from, from your alma mater who are heading up companies right now that are doing very, very good. Versus this space, there is I, – I, I can't name one, and that's not – maybe I'm missing out on somebody right now, but I can't name one in terms of like sports nutrition supplements – um, I know some very smart people, but I, I don't know one that has a graduate degree. Do you? Hmm, I don't know. I haven't, I don't know about that one, but I, I think a real one, not one from the university of Phoenix. I mean like a real fucking graduate degree. I can't think of one. <laughs> South Harmon Institute of technology. Yeah, or whatever South Harmon. <laughs> I mean, if you go like, if you look at like a Glombia or a Nutribolt, they may have somebody because it's yeah. a bigger company and, and a, a bigger P and L, but just some of your, your labs, supplement companies guarantee they don't got one and that's not to say that's a bad thing 
but they just it, don't. So they don't think though, and they don't speak the way they don't. They don't look at all the repercussions of of their decisions. I think like we would. We would lay them out a little bit more and, and think more strategically, versus just making rash, quick decisions. It. Um you said what would happen if, if everybody had MBAs. Honestly, I, I think that the industry wouldn't have progressed as fast as it, oh, yeah. as it has right. uh, because of the risk taking that goes involved when you don't have one of those degrees and you don't understand all your different bounds of like exposure and liabilities and things like that. Like MBAs, especially an accounting person with an MBA, like I'm a, I think about risk much differently in, in that ultimately probably hurts the speed in which if I was running one of these brands, I would operate. Now, that is probably very similar to what you see like from the technology industry. That is another area where there's a lot of people that don't mm-hmm. technically have you know, degrees. They didn't finish college, they didn't, whatever. They're just very either creative coding-wise or they have some very big vision and they were able to um, get enough of people around that vision to execute on it. And those ones, those two industries, usually have the most innovation, usually move the fastest, and that helped. And it helps them. Now, what breaks down is when the companies be get bigger, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When, especially in the sports nutrition or supplement spaces that eventually it gets to a point where you have to then be an operator. You have to uh, you have to understand how to run a business. You need to understand the X's and O's, the blocking and tackling of business. And that's what breaks down, because if you don't have that background, usually then either you create a shooting star and it crashes that happens more times than anybody could even understand and that's um, why a lot of times when a brand is going really fast and, and everybody's you know gawking at it um, I start to laugh because I realize that you know if they don't change they're gonna be easily down in the dumps in the next year or two so usually then the shooting star happens or somebody comes in like um, private equity or somebody like that has a bunch of MBAs and a bunch of analysts and a bunch of whatever and then they basically say, hey, brand X, um, you're no longer the CEO. I'm going to make this $20 million investment or $50 million or $100 million investment. You're no longer the CEO. You're going to go move to a visionary position, of, of, you know, whatever. You're still going to make the money. But we're going to bring in an operator. We're going to bring in somebody that knows how to build a business up to two, three, four, five hundred million dollars And then we can exit it to a General Mills or something like that. Right. Because usually those people are not the same. So – Initially, at least at the beginning now, we're, we're still kind of in this uh, infancy, I guess, of sports nutrition. It probably would be hurtful for everybody to have MBAs, but eventually brands need to have somebody either inside their four walls or they have to give up the reins eventually and say, hey, we're going to change because we want to get to $100 million, $200 million, mm-hmm. $300 million in sales. And that's a much different business than it is running a $20 million brand. You can – Run a $20 million brand with your eyes closed uh, with no, no degree. But a 200, 300, it takes a very special person. And I know that people listening to this are like, well, what about Zuckerberg? Those are special people. Those mm. are people that, you know, that somebody that got into Harvard that could have easily, you know, probably went and got 25 PhDs if they wanted to. Right. But they realized there was an opportunity to make money and not stick around in Harvard and just deal with a bunch of teachers trying to tell them what to do. Mm. Different different thing i don't want anybody to kind of confuse those two because those are much different situations well what's the number in this space like it's like 10 million dollars is the number where a lot of brands just find themselves stuck at they reach 10 million and then they don't know how to go from there and that's where i think like our way of thinking again not saying we are better than anybody else but the way that we were that that we were you know we're taught to think allows us to think differently to hopefully take a brand from like a 10 million to uh 
20, 30, 40, 50 million dollar plus company. But then again, special people like Aaron Singerman, for instance, I don't I don't believe he has a college degree. He's gonna have himself a hundred million dollar brand here very soon. You know, that that is just something that's very special. And I always kind of scratch my head then when I get brands that'll call me and be like, How does he do it? How is he building the brand? Are you not watching what he's doing? Are you not watching what Redcon's doing? It's clear as day what he's doing. Like, hey, he hustles, but he's also making very smart strategic decisions with his brand that somebody like you and I would probably make, you know, and he doesn't have the, the, the acronyms or the degree and he does not need it. But again, special people can do special things and he's got a great team and, and, and team is also a big thing, right? Like uh, uh, you, you said, I believe on a, a previous episode, the true value of an MBA is how many employees you can hire, right? Is that what you said at one point, something like that? Yeah. Very similar to that. So like the true value of an MBA, and I, I liked that. I took away from that episode. I was like, that's, that's strong. That resonated well with me too. But it's like hiring the right people. You hire the right people. You can be the dumbest fucking MBA on the planet and you can be a, an amazing company because at some – like you think about big CEOs of companies like you know, even like Jeff Bezos. He, he doesn't do a whole lot probably anymore. He has people that make a lot of decisions for him and he ultimately kind of like checks and signs off on things. But he has the right people in place to make decisions to keep that brand going. Once you're able to get to that spot, you can do that. Um, but you have to go through the nitty gritty and the grind. And in this case, like a lot of people will get to that maybe $10 million mark and then they're stuck. And th- if they're fine with that, that's great. I'm the type of person. And I believe you're the type of person who we kind of always want more We're, we don't like to settle. We're not content. We always want more, 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 more. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, it's called drive and we have it. Um, and not everybody has that, but we have the drive. We have sort of the way of thinking, uh, the strategic way of thinking that we can take things obviously to, to the point where we, you and I run our own businesses. Um, and if it wasn't for, Basically, bandwidth, our businesses both would be much larger than what they currently are. But you and I both don't have you know, a ton of employees working for us. If we had a team of people and we hired the right people, both Jay Shaw Consulting and Fitness Informant could be much bigger today than they, than they are. Um, and eventually, I would assume you and I both will probably do those things and get to where we want to be. Yeah, I'd like to hope so. I mean, I like to stay positive and, and believe that. Um, don't know exactly how much time we have in this episode. I know we try to keep these like 30 minutes to be digestible for people if you're doing cardio or your drive to work or whatever it is. We don't want to do these like hour long, right. two hour long uh, type of podcast, but I want to put us in a hypothetical situation. Um, and I'm, I'll ask this first to you, Ryan, is that in fewer a college graduate um, or maybe even like a high school graduate in 2019, 2020, would you do the same thing you did, you know, making that decision uh, 10 plus years ago, or would you go about getting your education differently? Today, I, I probably would do the same thing. And that's, that, that's just based on what I know. So I don't know a lot of the differentiated ways people are doing things, but in the instance of my daughter who just turned one, I did set up a 529 for her, but I would rather take that money out at that point when she turns 18 and say, start a business and don't go to school. That's obviously 17 years from now. So my way of thinking is different between today. I probably still would do the traditional college route, not to say that's the right thing. Um, it, I guess it depends on what type of skills I would do in high school. And if I'm really good at something and if I am, maybe I don't have to go. But I, I think my gut says I would still go. But for my daughter, 17 years from now, I don't think college will be what it is to today or even yesterday, I think she'll do something differently. So um, it really just depends on what what environment you're saturated in and what you're good at. But for me, yeah, I'll take the traditional conventional way and say I would still do school, but I would also explore options that did not contain school that I did not do back then. Yeah, I guess I'll answer this and I'm trying my hardest while you were answering. I was thinking to try to make sure I put myself in a mindset of where I was when I was 18, not where I was, where I am when I'm <laughs> so 34. long ago, um, because I've my 
just mindset is much different. Like my confidence, the just how strong I believe I'm able to achieve things and, and, and I whatever. But I honestly, because I had so many internships and I think I also was lucky enough that my first kind of job was within watching my dad as an entrepreneur. Um, I don't know if he listens to these episodes or not, but, but Hi, I'm dad. not going to give him too much credit to say um, that he was a great entrepreneur. But, but I was able enough to actually like uh, listen and watch and, and kind of take the good and, and throw away the bad. But those types of situations like the – you know, the, the idea of internships or apprenticeships or spec work or getting the closest you can to the fire, mm -hmm. like um, being you know, like if you have an entrepreneur or somebody like if you were really into like Aaron Sigerman, you wanted to be in the space, you want to be like for you to say, I want to go work for you for three months for free. I just want to be close and have access. I want to be in the room, but I'll do anything you ask for me for three months. And I don't want you to pay me one dime like that would be much more enriching than getting an MBA and, and doing all these stuff, different yeah. things. Now, um, what I would say is it takes a special probably person to do that, to be able to get the value that you want, because there's, there's one thing to be able to like watch and listen and learn and right. do all those things, but also be able to um, apply and take that very nuanced situation and be able to apply it in a bunch of different um, ways. So you have to kind of pair that also with, you know, learning YouTube or books or whatever it is, like all the information's out there, like, even in this case, like if you are a you know 20 year old kid and you want to be in the sports nutrition space, if you watched my 200 videos, you probably would get a ton more information than you're ever going to get in any college courses Cheap around plug. this particular industry Love because you, there's no there's no resources out there for that. Right. So there's other ways to learn. I would say that now knowing what I know and I would probably go in a different way. I still love my MBA. I love the experience I got. It taught me probably a, a very unique way to think about everything. And, and, and I think that's probably creating a ton of bias in this decision that I'm, <laughs> that I'm telling you right now. But I think that overall, um, now seeing how widespread information is disseminated across everything, and there's just really good information, especially if you're able to pick apart the good and the bad, like you could get so much information. I mean, there's things that you and I learn um, on a day-to-day -day basis that is PhD level plus mm -hmm. that we're getting for free. We're yeah. getting access to for free. We don't have to go and pay $100,000 plus to go get those extra letters behind our name. doesn't mean that we're not at the level of those people, but we've accumulated that knowledge from our own grit and our own actually going out and finding that information that we know is going to be viable to us in our own career. So you know, I'm, I'm probably putting a ton of bias on, on, you know, 18 year old Josh. He didn't really think like that, but right. I w wish I did because I probably would maybe even have accelerated my life a lot quicker. So I would say if somebody's listening to this, I don't know if any young people ever listen to this or not, but if somebody maybe has a younger child um, that's getting to this point, that's listening to this, maybe you think about this things differently. Right. Think about, I'm sure they do. Don't just push it on them. Don't just push college. Don't just push these ideologies of the decades past like things are different life is changing ways to make money are different ways to accumulate knowledge and power are much different than they were before and make sure you're playing the game playing the chessboard that's available to you don't play the one that was available to you in 1980 or 99 yeah. 100% i mean I would go back to college just because I had a great time. I had oh, a great I did, yeah. time I mean, in yeah, college. I can't, I can't replace some of those late nights. I mean, that was well worth the, 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 the price of a, admission. But 
In terms of an actual education, yeah, I would. You could go and do an internship or an, an apprenticeship somewhere and learn so much more. Love to hear what you guys have to say over on our Facebook page. Um, two guys, one shaker cup. We are on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube as well. Leave us a comment and subscribe to those podcasts because it's interesting. Like, what would you go back and do something differently? That's a good question. It's hard, like Josh said, to put yourself at, at the age of eighteen again, especially if it's been as long as it's been for us. Which I mean, we're not super old, but it just seems like. A long, long time ago uh, to be 18 or if you have kids currently, like what they're thinking, because I think kids nowadays are thinking differently in terms of like, I don't need a college degree. I can go and, and I've been coding since I've been eight years old. So why not just get a coding job right away? And that's that's cool, too. So, again, two guys, one shaker cup on Facebook. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify and YouTube. Until next time, everybody behave yourselves. Podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.